What sleeper Ram might you want to consider for the FFPC playoff challenge number two? Is there a bill not named Josh Allen or Stephon Diggs that you should put in your lineup this weekend? And how do you make the correct choice among a lot of candidates for the competition in Baltimore? Plus, the third place team owner in the 2020 FFPC main event, Jerry Palmer, will join us to talk about how the big top tight end tier is going to be in 2021 for drafts, who he likes in Tampa for the FFPC playoff challenge number two, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me. The lesson. Make out of the lesson. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Thank you so much, Rob, and thank you, Quiet Hollers. Remember to check out all of their music at quiethollers.com. Greetings and salutations to all of you, Balkaholics and Ferreliacs. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, your slightly above-average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott, and I'm going to bring him on right now. Farrell, it is divisional playoff weekend. It's maybe, you know, it's for sure top five uh, football weekends all season long, maybe top three, maybe number one um, with with four great games. Um, We might get into a little... Um, Super Bowl talk from years past on tonight's episode, though. Sure. I mean, fucking magic things happen in the playoffs as we build of the Super Bowl, and always the unexpected uh, seems to happen in the Super Bowl. It happened. Uh, it happened in the first one with your Green Bay Packers, and uh, with with the stories that you are are very much aware of and close to in your heart. You know, I think when we started the playoffs last week. Wild Card Weekend was a wonderful, wonderful weekend. I couldn't wait for 10 o'clock Friday night to come where we could get back on the phone and talk. And we've got a great guest and old uh, Jerry Palmer uh, joining us. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a wonderful weekend. And it seems like the games, the way they're scheduled with, with the Saturday afternoon, uh, then the the second game uh, in primetime at night, and both games sort of pivot off of each other and represent different eras and different styles of football that's being played right now. So I, I just think it's a wonderful thing. Jerry Palmer, by the way, and uh, our guest tonight, um, uh, another guest with Wisconsin ties, uh, which I always appreciate when we have guests like that on the show. He of the third place finish in the FFPC main event this year. We're going to pick his brain on that and much more. Yeah, Farrell, you alluded to it. 54 years ago today, 
Super Bowl One took place with my Green Bay Packers taking care of business against Len Dawson, Hank Stram, and the Kansas City Chiefs. I wasn't alive for it. My father-in-law was, mm. and he has been peppering my phone today with images, with story links um, about that great Packers-Chiefs uh, Super Bowl. Uh, well, I guess they didn't call it. Did they call it the Super Bowl back then, or was it just the AFC-NFC championship game? Or AFL, it was NFL a championship, championship game. Yes, there yeah. you go, AFL-NFL championship game. It was at the Coliseum in Los Angeles. It was not a sold-out crowd. You could get a ticket for $10. And Kansas City played a pretty stout first half. They convinced themselves that they could play against Packers, and then the second half just disappeared. Yeah, Max McGee, by the way, got tanked the night before. Boy Dollar went down. <laughs> Max McGee had to go get into the game, caught two touchdowns from Bart Starr. I believe that's correct. Caught two touchdowns from Bart Starr in that game. It's it's what we believe in, Balky. Next man up football. And old Max proved it that day. <laughs> yes, he did. Absolutely. Uh, we have a great show, uh, by the way, tonight on some uh, current football going on tonight. We'll probably get into some stuff that happened 20, 30 years ago as well. As Farrell and I trip the light fantastic down memory lane. But coming up on tonight's show, we're going to just. Uh, discuss how Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's injury is gumming up your choices for Kansas City Chiefs in the FFPC Playoff Challenge number two. Which Packer is going to pay off the biggest in the competition? And we'll catch up with the $35,000 third place uh, team manager in the 2020 FFPC main event, Jerry Palmer, about his divisional playoff team in the FFPC Playoff Challenge two, what he foresees in 2021 for tight ends like Cole Komet and much more. That is all coming up on the show tonight. Uh, the FFPC Playoff Challenge number two looking pretty lucrative for uh, fantasy owners. If you're looking to get in one final event, maybe you want to win $50,000 uh, before um, uh, the, the, the calendar turns to the 2021 draft season. 378 teams still available at this recording. That means we have filled uh, just over two-thirds of the competition. Could be a good ROI. We'll see what happens with that but we're running out of time to fill this contest. Might be pretty good time for people to jump in as uh, the games kick off Packers and Rams tomorrow at 4:35 uh, Eastern time. Uh, we'll see what happens there. So now is the time to jump in on that. Want to remind everybody that the uh, football guys playoff challenge number two, the $35 one that is sold out. You cannot get in that one. If you're looking for an action. FFPC playoff challenge two is where to go for that. Now, if you want to get into some other FFPC events, that we have going on right now. Dynasty Orphans are available. MyFFPC.com slash Dynasty for sale. Uh, you can pick up uh, some pretty good deals on some orphan teams there. Check that out. And uh, as, a, as an aside, the season six finale of the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown took place this week. It is out. Rotoviz.com slash podcast. John Modaf, Tommy Zaretic, who won the uh, big payback league this year in the FFPC and had $25,000 to show for it. They were on the high stakes load on this week. Normally I like to keep that podcast 25, maybe 30 minutes. We went almost a full hour on that because it was great hanging out with those guys. I love talking fantasy football with them. Um, they're bears fans, but as I said, uh, during the podcast, they're Midwestern guys. So he, uh, so John and, and Tommy and I definitely identified with each other. It was a fun time, very informative as well, especially if you're looking for advice on the divisional playoff challenge too that the FFPC has going on right now. That is a must listen. So check that out. Rotoviz.com slash podcast. Uh, let's get into uh, the fantasy flash tonight. I want to thank football guys, draft sharks, Roto world and Rob for tonight's fantasy flash. Big news down in Northern Florida. The Jaguars have made their decision. 
on their new head coach. It is indeed going to be Urban Meyer. Shad Khan, the Jaguars owner, announced the decision that he is going to have one of the greatest uh, college coaches of the recent era in college football uh, as his new Jaguars head coach. Um, He has never been even a position coach in the NFL so much uh, as, as he has been dominant at the college level. He obviously, you know, the other thing I always, I always think about him is that Florida was awesome, burned out, went to Ohio state was awesome. And then burned out. You know, we, we know about the stress. We know, I, I think he might've had a heart issue. Obviously there, there was a lot of problems with him. Um, certainly if you want a very unstressful environment in the NFL, you don't necessarily want to go to Jacksonville, but, 56-year-old Urban Meyer will inherit the number one pick. He is going to have $100 million in cap space as well. And there is going to, and, and it's not just the number one overall pick. They're going to have a lot of good picks in this draft. This could be a, a, a changing of the guard pretty quickly here in, in Jacksonville and Farrell. I don't think there are any threats to win the AFC South in 2021. But this is a team that can compete right away. When you look at it from a fantasy standpoint, arrow pointing up for DJ Chark and arrow pointing up for James Robinson right now. Yeah, certainly, Balky. We talked about this team a couple of weeks ago as having good bones, a formula for success, guys in the right places and some fill-in players needed. I don't think uh, it's that far a shot to believe that this team can compete in that division. After all, that division is not lined with with uh, uh, certain powerhouses like other divisions are. I, uh, you know, as, as far as Urban Meyer and his his health. And how he's going to react to this is a different kind of job. And at, at Florida and at Ohio State, you have to serve all those publics associated with being in the college game, especially the NCAA and the boosters and and the, the various aspects of the university. And then there's a situation that, um, you know, college football is uh, – Really, really a dirty, dirty business. I always just, if I go to a game, I wipe the seat off before I sit down. I'm very, very careful about <laughs> college football. It, it's, seriously, it, it is, um, you know, some of these coaches, uh, they can't look themselves in the mirror and they can't sleep at night with what they do to ball players. It's just the way it is, and, and it's very, very competitive. You do not have that type of life in the NFL. We have... Uh, uh, you know, the NFLPA has negotiated uh, limits on practice time, so you can't keep the players on the field all the time. He's going to have a supportive staff around him. I watched the press conference today, and the owner was just glowing about his acquisition here. And, you know, Balky, the, the general managers, there's three of them I like that will be forthcoming. He'll have a hand in picking them. Uh, the aforementioned in an earlier show, and you know, favorite among us, uh, favorite among us, just on name alone, would be Trent Baalke. Uh, Jerry Reese's uh, name is being thrown around there. He ran the Giants a few years ago, and Jerry is one of my all-time favorites. He grew up in uh, Western Tennessee, about thirty miles south of me, in, in West Kentucky. And uh, Scott Pioli, who who's a very modest guy uh, and does not get enough credit. Uh, for his role in building the Patriots and the champions uh, that they are. He's going to get the right kind of help. You said it. They got cap space. They got draft picks. They got a coach. And he's going to put together a pretty damn good staff. I think a lot of people would like to be in Jacksonville, Florida, 
where it was 69 degrees today, Balky. <laughs> yeah, it was not 69 here in Wisconsin. We had a bunch of wet snow. But I'll tell you this, Jacksonville, y'all want to win, you put Balky in. Hire Trent Balky, and it is uh, going to make it uh, – he's going to make it happen for you. I believe he's with the organization right now. It would just be a promotion – uh, Farrell, if I'm under, understanding that correctly, and I think Urban Meyer likes him quite a bit too, so he might make the transition for Urban Meyer as smooth as possible. I'm uh, I'm like I'm liking this hire for Jacksonville, uh, and and I don't often say that, but I'm saying it on the show this evening. Let's get into uh, some uh, FFPC Playoff Challenge two talk here with um, with the, the Rams. Matt Schneidman, who actually covers the Packers for uh, the Athletic, actually tweeted this out today. Cooper Cup is listed as questionable for that Rams-Packers divisional playoff that is going off Saturday afternoon. He's got inflammation in his knee. Um, He probably will not be inactive. I think we'd all be shocked if if he was indeed inactive for this game against Green Bay with everything on the line. Um, In last week's game against the Seahawks, he got nine targets. He caught four of them for 78 yards. And you have um, Jared Goff, who has that injured thumb in not – I mean, it's probably going to be 30 degrees, right around 30 degrees at kickoff tomorrow – at Lambeau, that's probably not optimal. Um, if Cups out, you, you look at Jefferson and Reynolds, but Farrell, from a divisional playoff uh, uh, to the FFPC Playoff Challenge 2 standpoint, you can't really feel good about starting Cooper Cup here, even to be contrarian in the competition, right? You know, I, I've got my uh, lineup put together um, you know, for this competition, and I love it. I, and it, It's just so great. You know, what did we put together last week? Twelve players, right, for our playoff challenge roster. And now we're, now we're down to eight players, and, and it, it, the roster seems to come together much differently. And you can be contrarian with better names than Reynolds and Jefferson. I really like these players. Uh, these players should be guys that are on your uh, – uh, that are very much on your uh, – in your sights, I suppose I should say, for for your 2021 draft. Uh, Reynolds, 52 catches this year, uh, despite being saddled with the burden of the Rams quarterbacks. Uh, Van Jefferson didn't never really get his year started. Had a nice touchdown on the road in Tampa in a game that the Rams had to win and make believers out of a lot of people. Two very good ball players that if they don't finally get on the field um, in Los Angeles, will will find a home. Uh, in free agency somewhere. But, yeah, I like those guys, Balky, but not for this contest. Yeah, I'm with you on that for sure. Um, we're talking about a seven-game uh, tournament here, and um, to, to have an injured guy coming in as a six-and-a-half-point uh, underdog, or his team as a six-and-a-half-point underdog, that is trying to stomach a lot there. Um, and sometimes when you try to do that, you end up uh, throwing up all over yourself. You don't want to do that. <laughs> we have Jerry Palmer coming up. In just a couple minutes here, he of the $35,000 third-place finish in the FFPC Min event this past year. Before we get to him, I want to flip things over to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was a limited participant in practice on Wednesday. He got downgraded to a did-not-practice in in, uh, Kansas City Chiefs uh, practice yesterday. Um, And then as far as his status goes for this weekend, um, he's officially listed as questionable for that Browns game. He got a few practice reps in. Andy Reid said they're going to take all the way up to game time, decide if he's ready to go after that injury that he suffered towards the end of the regular season. He's had three weeks of rest. Um, If he is out, it's going to be Le'Veon Bell. It's going to be Darrell Williams. 
And, and Farrell, I bring this up because I think most people in the playoff challenge number two at the FFPC, they're going to be focusing on Mahomes. They're going to be focusing on Kelsey. They're going to be focusing on Tyreek Hill. Um, so is there any way that you would, you know, unless you have a, a bunch of teams in the competition, is there any way that you would choose a Chiefs running back based on this news? Or is this the easiest fade in the contest this year, our Chiefs running backs? It's not the easiest fade in the contest. You're tempted to do something about it, and if you're going to, uh, Le'Veon Bell would be your guy. You know, it's said that uh, you cannot run against the New Orleans Saints. Well, Le'Veon Bell did. King carries 62 yards. I think he's done well this year. Las Vegas has put in uh, uh, numbers. Our friends in the desert have the over and under on his rushing yards, 32 and a half, and on his receiving yards. 12 and a half, and, and uh, you know, if we were ever to find ourselves in Las Vegas at a good time, Balky, those would be numbers that I would want to go over with. You know, Darrell Williams uh, has never had double-digit carries in a season. He's not a factor here. He's got to start catching the ball a little better. I thought he was. I thought he was better um, in the uh, in the passing game than what I've seen lately. Uh, yeah, you know, if you have three to four teams, if you want to get adventurous and add another team, uh, Le'Veon Bell could give you a, a very early boost, but I don't I don't think he'll make your lineup. But you know where somebody out there that understands numbers better than I do that will figure it out. <laughs> and, you know, that could be one of those magical playoff happenings. Uh, speaking of, of people who understand uh, numbers better than you and I do, Farrell, let's bring in tonight's guest uh, for the evening. He's been playing fantasy football for more than 30 years, uh, he got his start when he was a Badger sophomore at the University of Wisconsin. This is his eighth year playing in the FFPC, certainly one of his most successful, as he won $35,000 as the third place overall prize in this year's 2020 FFPC main event. I want to welcome him on to the HSFF Hour tonight, Mr. Jerry Palmer. Jerry, thank you so much for doing the show this week, man. How you doing? Uh, good. Thanks for having me. Uh, very excited to have you. So, so before I'm going to get my Wisconsin stuff out of the way, are you originally from Wisconsin, or did you just decide to go to UW Madison for college? I did. Uh, well, I did. I didn't really decide. It was between Illinois and Wisconsin, and back then they had reciprocity with Wisconsin. So my parents allowed me to go there because we could afford it. But I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago my whole life. Oh, there you go. Okay. All right. So, so you have ties with both states. Clearly you picked correct on the college. So when it comes to, so where, so your allegiance, as far as college football, as far as pro football goes, are you a Wisconsin Badgers college football fan and a Chicago Bears pro football fan? Uh, definitely my two favorite teams, big, big Wisconsin fan. And, and, you know, the Bears are always my team, but I end up usually rooting for guys on my fantasy team a little more. <laughs> Yeah, you and me both, man, when it comes down to the end of the year, for sure. Um, let's uh, We're going to talk plenty of fantasy football with you. I want to talk main event with you, given how your team ended up this year. I do want to get into the FFPC Playoff Challenge uh, with uh, number two with you, because I know you're in that contest as well. Before we get into all that, can you tell the listeners what you're doing for a living when you are not dominating the FFPC main event? Uh, well, when I, when I try to do well in fantasy, my main living is I do more residential mortgages throughout the country for people buying homes and refinancing and so on for a cross-country mortgage. You Farrell, have been a busy man, Mr. Jerry Palmer. Yeah. You have been a very yeah, busy yeah. man this year with your mortgage. It, it has been a busy man this year in the face of uh, 
probably I'm going to be 60 this spring, and I would say this is easily the craziest year of my life. And I hope everyone listening and everyone has made it through and, and is healthy, and hopefully this will end soon. 50 years old, Balky, just a pup. You know, I have one question before we get started talking fantasy football. One question. Cubs or White Sox? Cubs. Ah, Cubs through and through. Very good. White Sox don't exist in my world. Nobody's going to hold that against you, especially on this show. Now, (laughs) I'm holding something against you because, you know, you, you, you were successful from a spot that I just completely freak out when I'm assigned the sixth pick in the draft. It's, it's, it's just like a ticket straight to drafting hell for me. I I think it's like 12 spots from nowhere. And you go in this, this year with much temptation in the sixth spot to take the receiver, Michael Thomas from new Orleans and everybody that did uh, was bitten by the terrible year that Thomas uh, turned in. It's just a complete disaster, and that's probably right. what I would have done if I had been in the sixth spot. You made the right choice, being a Chicago native and familiar with that old black and blue division. You went to Minnesota and took Galvin Cook. How did you know to do it? How did you know to make that move? You could have made other moves besides Thomas. Uh, what did you like about Cook? Well, you know, when you look at fantasy, I always try – to get running backs because they seem to be at a premium, you know, and after the top three were off the board this year, for me, it was kind of looking at the running back or the best running back available. And when I come back with the next player, I try to think if those two guys combined, they're going to be worth more points than Michael Thomas and the running back I might get in the, or the receiver I might get in the second round. So for me, it was really between Delvin and Derrick Henry. And I just went with Delvin cook and, you know, obviously every year there's a pretty good deal of luck that goes along with winning. I think um, you know, you know, when it when it when it came down to it, um, there was a certain well, and and I, I guess Jerry, I'll let you weigh in on this because you've been playing fantasy football sure. for three plus decades. I think sometimes we have to unfairly, I guess would would be the easiest way to say it, um, bump up guys that um, are coming are proven players coming off bad years and um, and unfairly bumped down guys that are coming off great years just because of the regression to the mean, you know, um, Michael Thomas, I don't think I haven't met anybody. I haven't talked to any high stakes players that thought he was going to duplicate in 2020 what he did in 2019. And I also think that a lot of people look at Dalvin cook as like, man, they, there is a massive season that is just waiting here for Cook, and he's had a couple of massive seasons. And sometimes I think that when you're buying off the – and I, I know I brought this up on the show before, but sometimes I think when you're buying the player coming off – a proven player coming off a less-than-stellar campaign, that oftentimes pays dividends rather than play, uh, drafting a player um, who hit his ceiling the previous year, and you're paying a premium for that. Have you found that that's the case in your high-stakes drafts over the years? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people predicate their picks on last year's performance. And when you get a guy like Michael Thomas, who would be hard, hard-pressed hard to duplicate that effort, great receiver, but I try to not put as much, much you know, thought into last year's play versus what's coming up this year. Let's talk about um, the, the actual championship round here, Jerry, because 
You came. You you obviously made the championship round. You started off week fourteen in one hundred and thirty first place. We talked to uh, Andrew Burrows and Larry Bent last week, who were in a similar situation in the Football Guys Players Championship, and their team skyrocketed up the leaderboards all the way up to the runner up in in that competition. Um, you had a similar experience: one hundred and ninety in week fourteen, two hundred and thirteen in week fifteen, and one hundred and ninety again in week sixteen. At what point did you kind of look at you this team and like? realize like, oh my God, I, I, I could win this half million dollars or at least shoot near the top of the leaderboard when, when you're seeing this team really peak at the right time, Jerry. Yeah, I'll tell you, I was, uh, I was excited to get that fire. And I think my big two really maybe gave me a little edge on other teams by having uh, Stefan Diggs and, and Josh Allen. A lot of guys mm-hmm. above me had one of the two, but I ended up getting both of those guys and they really started to peak at the right time. I mean, I think in week 16, I think a couple guys on the Bills dropped a couple touchdowns. And if I remember, Diggs exploded in the second quarter. Um, and he ended up having like nine catches for 140 yards and I think three touchdowns. Um, you know, for me, besides obviously a lot of luck, Dalvin Cook, Hopkins, Waller, Diggs, and Allen, I almost plugged into my lineups every week. Every year, I seem to get short at the tight end. You know, and this year, I, I took Darren Waller, and I tried to get some good depth there, and I drafted Tyler Higby a couple rounds later and Sony Michelle for some depth, and both those guys really underperformed this year with injuries and just things that happened. So, you know, as much as I had my big six pretty much injury-free, you know, there's just so much luck involved. You know, people ask me, Jerry, what do you got to do to win? You know, you you make the playoffs, what do you got to do to win? And that's what I tell them. You know, go out and average 200 points. Go out, and it's it's so easy to say and so very, very difficult to do. With, but with the core players that you gave us, and all of us watched with great intensity in these last few weeks, with the core players you gave us, uh, you could see it happening. You could see it developing in front of you early in the games. I love your pick of Darren Waller. I targeted Darren Waller. When you talk about what a player did the season before, you know, I, I watched the 2019 Darren Waller, and I said, this, this player's, you know, this player's a target for me. And he's just, he got better as the year went on. No matter where the, no matter how the Raiders were playing, Waller was always playing uh, very, very well. We talked to a lot of guys about tiers. They, they, they come in with tiers of players and how they're going to utilize their draft and. Sadly, I got Waller in the fifth round. I'm not. I'm not sure where you got him. I probably around around the same very early in the fourth fifth round. round. Yep. You know, and you know, we'll never get him in the fourth or fifth again. 367 uh, fantasy points from Kelsey, drafted as early as sixth, seventh, eighth. Sometimes 336 points from Waller. I think I've got this right. The number three tight end uh, production. Uh, this year, 212 from Logan Thomas of all people. Logan, um, how about that? So, huh? you, you know, so you're going to be tempted to pull that trigger on Waller again. Uh, should we give up second round pick for Waller next year? You know, I'll tell you. You watch Waller; he's he's a he's almost a Tyreek Hill in a tight end body. And when you watch Kelsey, you, you've got you know Tyreek Hill. And, and Hardman on the outside, and a bunch of guys who are four, four, forty guys. Right. Hop, uh, Kelsey, you know, gets the middle of that field wide open. 
They scheme them tremendously. And I think Wallen, Waller, you know, next year with maybe rugs in the offense getting even a little better, is going to develop even maybe into the number one tight end. So I'm excited about what Darren Waller could do next year. Tyreek Hill in a Darren Waller body was the exact description that my wife gave me at my fighting <laughs> weight when we got married many years ago. <laughs> and uh, I, I failed. I, I, I don't think I'll ever get there again, but I'll be close. I'll be close. We'll see what happens in 2021. We're talking with Jerry Palmer, the third place team owner in the FFPC main event in 2020. Um, I, you know, Jerry, you, you obviously had a lot of success in the main event. You've played in the main event several years here. For someone who has never played in the main event before that's maybe thinking about taking the plunge in 2021, what do you think, if there's one piece of advice, what's the biggest thing that those players need to understand to have their best chance at significant success right away from the get-go? You know, I'll tell you, every guy who's in the draft seems to me to be very well prepared, and there's a lot of studying going on. And I think, you know, depth. You get to draft a team, you get to pick up guys, you know, in the free agent periods. There is no trading. So a lot of guys are very adept at taking handcuffs. And and every guy who you think when the the draft is complete seems to be taken. But then, you know, week one an injury happens and you've you've got to decide where you want to spend your money and who you're going to pick up. So it's tough, but for me, and especially the uh, my FFPC, I think you have to have some depth at tight end and depth at running backs because every week I think you could have a plug and play uh, based on matchups for a wide receiver, and every week there's a quarterback and quarterbacks seem to be the top ten. You know, any event could be worth thirty points every week. So, so again, I, I, I like for me I got lucky this year because Waller I got to plug in every week and, and Dalvin Cook as well, so I didn't have a lot of worries there. But Sony Michelle, you know, really kind of cost me because he was my third running back taken, and I really didn't get to play him that much because I think he got hurt week one. Boy, I tell you what, you're going to hold that terrible grudge against Sony Michelle uh, for ruining your whole season. Where did you finish, Jerry? Just remind me. I finished in third place. Third place? Yeah, just, uh, you know, that, I, I'm uh, I, I was I I'm was holding an Alvin Kamara, an Alvin Kamara sickness away from winning the whole thing. Oh, oh man. my goodness! Yes, oh, that's exactly. You know, well, you know what? Now, Kamara is still standing, and and right. he's playing this weekend. And I assume that you have, um, I, I assume that you have a playoff challenge team. And if you don't, you've got, you got you, you. There's still some available to you. And these great matchups, Balky and I talked about it earlier. What are you looking forward to most in this football weekend? You know, for me, I think the, the Packers-Rams game provides a lot of interest. I'm interested to see Ramsey against Devontae. And for me, probably the top two units or three are the Chiefs offense, the Packers offense, and the Rams defense. And I want to see how the Rams defense does against the Packers. And then when you look at Cleveland-Kansas City, I think for Cleveland to really stay in that game, you're going to see a lot of Chubb at Hunt. And, uh, you know, I, I, I watch Chubb, and he is uh, – he is a very – he reminds me of Dalvin Cook. He's an explosive runner. And, for, again, I think for the only way – well, not the only way, but I think the Browns will stay competitive in that game if they could run on the Chiefs. Last week, uh, Balky and I picked Cleveland as our upset with the Rams as an outside chance, and Cleveland certainly came in. you think uh, Cleveland has any chance to upset the Chiefs? 
more. I mean, as a contrarian player there, I think they're like a 10, 10 and a half. Do I think, yes, I do think they have a chance. I think probably the Chiefs will win. I would almost like the Browns to cover, but two things, they can't not get behind big in this game. And if they could control the ball and control the clock and run the ball, they might have a shot against the Chiefs. And you it, mentioned you know, the two guess, guys they'll do it with, that's for sure. Yeah, and the Browns last week didn't even have their two cornerbacks. Uh, I think yeah. Ward and Johnson were both out. So I think the Browns, mm-hmm. every right. there's a surprise, I'd love to see a new team win. I, I think that many of us, you know, I'm, I, I'm a Packers guy and um, you know, I I'm rooting for the Browns. I'm rooting for the bills. You know, I want to see fresh blood in there for sure. It's so weird that like, I'm saying like, Oh my God, I'd much rather see the Browns and the bills in there because they haven't won in forever. And, and the chiefs are like old hat, you know, and they're not, you know what I mean? Like that, they're just sort of starting the cusp of, of what you would like to think is, is going to be some AFC dominance over the next half decade or, or, or maybe decade, we'll see what happens. It's going to be a fun ride uh, regardless of, of who wins uh, this weekend for sure. Uh, we're talking with Jerry Palmer, the third-place team finisher in the FFPC main event this past year. Um, Jerry, I know you're going to be p- playing in the FFPC next year as we look forward to 2021 drafts. I know we're a little ways away from it. Maybe not as far as you might think. Breaking news on that coming up on this podcast in the next week or so. Um, Cole Komet really came on uh, for the Bears the second half of the season. Uh, he took over for Jimmy Graham as, as the most targeted tight end on the Bears roster. You kind of have a, a front row seat for this. You follow this more than a lot of our listeners do, a lot of our guests do. What do you think Cole Komet is, is going to do in main event draft next year? Is he a top 12 guy? Is that getting too aggressive? How do you see Komet? I actually kind of do see him as a top 12 guy. He kind of reminds me of Kelsey. He plays with a lot of passion. He got more confident as the year went on. He's extremely physical and athletic. And, again, I think with some more experience and hopefully they scheme him a little better, I I think Komet's going to be a heck of a player for years to come. Jerry, did you you play online, live, both? Typically just uh, online, you know, fantasy football. I'll do a fan duel lineup you know, every week. And, and I've got my sons addicted to this game, which they're now 16 and 15. And I run a father son league. Um, ah, cool. and, you know, I, I come from the days in 1980 when you, you woke up Monday morning to get the newspaper and look at the box scores to tabulate points. Um, well, man, yeah, you know, I, I tell you, let me, Jerry, let ahead. me ask you this. So, so like I, so I was um, basically, I graduated from high school in the late nineties. And I, right. I played my first, my first taste of fantasy football was in the mid-90s. Like when I, I, right. I started hanging out with new friends in high school or whatever, we formed a fantasy football league. That's how we got to know each other. And I'm just curious, I, I, I don't know how you were back then because you probably already had a decade plus under your belt back then. But, man, Sunday nights, I was glued to ESPN watching Boomer and Tom Jackson. And yep. and you get like yep. a taste of the because there was no red zone back then there was no Sunday ticket like all I saw was highlights so like for me at the end of the the night on Sunday before I'd watch a Sunday night game that's where I got like I, I kind of shaped my roster like okay <laughs> I think I did I think I won I, this guy did good this guy didn't do so good that was like must see TV for me on Sunday evenings back in the nineties. Absolutely, you know between that and the Sunday or the Monday again paper. You know, you'd yeah. see a guy fall on the end zone. You'd, you'd fall in the end zone and recover a fumble, and you were waiting to see the box score on how 
how they tabulated <laughs> that touchdown. Um, you know, that's when the argument started, and you know, you had the commissioner who actually, you know, did all the points by hand, and you sent out a. I don't even know. We had email back then. I think you, you called him up in the morning, and we didn't have cell yeah. phones to get to find out who won. It, uh, this it was, sounds like it me today. The good old days. Jerry, I run I run a league in Kentucky, the KFFSC, and we're going to invite you that you come down and play a little bit live. You know, this, this just sounds a little bit about me, especially the phone calling part. But how far we have come in the world of fantasy football and the live the live events are a blast. So, yeah. it, you've never met Bonky. If you've been playing online, no, you've never met. You know, well, did you did, you've you've seen his image on Facebook and and Twitter yeah. and such as that? Yeah. You know, because Balky, this next question is very important because if you had met him in person and you looked into that face of his, you know, Balky <laughs> can do a lot of things in this world and be masterful at them. But I've always thought that he would have made a great priest because I want to confess all of my fantasy. <laughs> transgressions, my various sins, my violations of, of fantasy football etiquette, the things I have just done wrong. And I know, because you finished third, I, I had a real good year this year. I finished 320th in the championship, you know, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm coming from a different area than, than you did. But I know that even you have something that you wish you hadn't done and are walking around saying, I'll never draft that guy again. And then I want to hear, uh, Balky certainly has a redeeming factor to him, so I want you to redeem yourself by that pick that you made in the late double digits that actually scored points and helped you win through the year, and what you would do with either of those players as we move forward. Well, I'll tell you, I think for me, you know, when you talk about drafting a guy based on last year's performance, I was very excited to get Higby. Um, he was coming out at the end of 19, you know, and my FFPC points and a half per reception, I really thought he was going to have a great year, but he really didn't perform as well as I was hopeful, hoping he would this year. Um, and, and I thank God I took Waller cause I didn't have to worry as much, but that was, that was one guy, you know, in the, in the bears, I took Anthony Miller early, uh, or not. Oh, you uh, and me both, man. Did. I died on I listen I died on that hill this year with Anthony Miller. I was I was screaming to the to the mountaintops. Draft Anthony Miller all the way back in March or April. I was totally on board with that and you know thank yep. God Jerry and and I don't know where you took him in drafts but like he was like a double digit round pick for me or like you know eighth ninth round. So it didn't end up costing me but that was probably my biggest whiff of 2020 was Anthony Miller. Yeah, he he definitely Kind of had a tough year. I'll tell you one guy I'm excited for next year on the Bears is Mooney. That uh, guy yes. is quick, is quick, catches everything. He reminds me of Tyreek Hill, and he really, well, Jerry, I, I really am excited about him next year. Did you have Mooney anywhere? Uh, I did not. I picked him up probably maybe in the third free agent round, week three. Um, and I and then I ended up playing. I ended up playing him and Emmanuel Sanders a decent amount of time. Uh, and, again, Sanders was not as explosive as I was hoping, but with Thomas and all those guys out, he put up a couple of great weeks. My One of my favorite moves is I, my running backs were hurt. I put, picked up Boston Scott the week on Sunday or Monday night football when he caught that touchdown um, like a 20-yarder to win the game. 
and that was that was one of my better plays of the year. I got about 18 points out of him that week, and I needed to, that to win. Yes, sir. We call him the giant killer. Uh, so whenever yeah. he plays the Giants, you can count on a little Boston Scott. Well, those those yeah. are some those are some great picks. Are you going to go with Sanders as your redeeming pick, or do you have another one that you you haven't tuned us into yet? Um, yeah, you know, the, another guy I took with C.D. Lamb. And no, you know, yeah, yeah, I Lamb think he worked player. out all right, Jerry. I think that's that's yeah, how pretty- you get to number third. I think he would have been unbelievable if Prescott didn't get hurt. Uh, but yeah. C.D. Lamb was another guy who actually performed pretty well for me. I took A.J. Dillon late on the Packers based on the preseason. I thought he was going to see a little more action, but that, and that ended up not doing a whole lot for me. Excellent draft. Excellent draft, We are uh, talking with uh, Jerry Palmer here in on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Finished third place overall in the FFPC main event this past year. Jerry, I do want to get to a couple of emails that we got um, from listeners uh, for you this week. We're going to go to uh, over to New York. Uh, Tim in New York. I'm assuming New York City here. He writes, "Hey Jerry, for the FFPC challenge number two, I can't decide between Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, or Chris Godwin as my Buccaneer." Would go receiver with that team? Uh, would you go receiver with that team? And if so, which one? Way to crush the main event this year. That's Tim in New York. We got news that, that Ronald Jones is not going to be starting this Buccaneers-Saints uh, game on Sunday. It is going to be Leonard Fournette. Um, so that probably makes Tom Brady and the receivers a little bit more appealing. So, Jerry, I don't know how you fall in on this with, with your challenge team, but if you were to go Buccaneers receiver, would it be Brown, would it be Evans, or would it be Godwin? Uh, that's a good question. I, I actually have taken and I'm starting Antonio Brown. Um, he scored four touchdowns in the last five games. I think they're going to be throwing a little. And, you know, Evans and Godwin are a little hurt. And I think Brown is hopefully going to be – I think that game is going to be a little higher scoring than people are predicting. So I think Breeze and Brady might put on a show, and I hope uh, Brown's part of that equation. Uh, one other uh, email that we have tonight here for you, Jerry. This is from, oh, other coast right here. Let's go to Irvine, California. This is Mike's email. He writes, what's up, Jerry? For the Bills in this FFPC playoff challenge, is it as simple as Josh Allen or Stephon Diggs, or do I need to be different here than everyone else? Mike, thank you so much for the email in Irvine, California. This is interesting because last week, you know, we, we had the extended playoff rosters because of the 14 teams in the competition. This week, only eight spots. So being different is important. But is it so important that you need to go Singletary here? Is it so important that you need to go Dawson Knox here? Or is it Josh Allen? Is it Stephon Diggs for you, Jerry? You know, as you get a little deeper in the playoffs, I kind of, kind of A, want to be contrarian, and B, Zach Moss is out. I think Singletary is a good contrarian play. I think all the guys, you know, it's easy to pick Diggs and it's easy to pick Josh Allen, but I, I, I might uh, I might go with Singletary. I think they're going to have to run the ball a little more, and hopefully he'll end up proving me right. Jerry, how, how deep have you gone in the playoff challenge? In other words, have you challenged, uh, as the true name of the event says, and, and uh, got into that rare fair air of third place like you uh, have done in the main event? A couple event. years ago, yeah. I came in seventh or eighth place in the playoff challenge. Did uh, you I have a like quarterback the in the Super Bowl? That's what I want to know. Did, did a quarterback in the Super Bowl help fuel that team? You know, if I remember, I, I don't think I did. 
I again, when it comes to when it comes to this, I really try to think of fade the public, and I try to look at the, mm-hmm. who I think my two Super Bowl favorite teams are going to be. And out of the two teams, I try to pick a guy that I don't think a lot of other people are going to pick. Not only does it make it more fun, but you might have a better chance of uh, getting a leg on the competition. Well, do you have that one guy this year that you care to share with the listeners where they'll all run to their lineup in the playoff two and, uh, and, and make the change? You, you can just, you, you know, you'll, you'll lock up the system with, with, with your advice and everybody will make that change. Who's your guy? Who's my guy? Um, I'll tell you, if I was going to pick any surprise, it's Chubb. Yeah. I'd like to see the yeah. Browns win it, and I think if they're going to go anywhere, he just looks on top of his game right now. You know, I was glad to see them advance because their guard, Betonio, who's been on the team 11 years, was out last week. He gets to play this week. Conklin's back. I just think they could be a surprise team. You know, the Chiefs might come in a little relaxed. Yeah, I do too. Hey, you know what, Jerry, as long as we're talking about Browns here, I'm just curious on this. Um, as we look forward to 2021 drafts, we know now we've had a full season of the Nick Chubb slash Kareem Hunt experiment. We know Hunt mm-hmm. is coming back to the Browns in, in 2021. I'm just curious how high you would take Nick Chubb next year in draft. Is he a back end of the first round pick or does Hunt knock him down to the second round? How do you handle a guy like Chubb as far as next year's drafts go? You know, if you look at it right now, he might be the third or fourth back behind I think McCaffrey, Barkley, depends how their injuries feel. I think Elliott's skating a little. Edwards Hilaire kind of fell apart, you know, and I hope Kamara. he does well next year. Kamara and Cook, you know what? I'm going to go back to my roots and say two words, Jonathan Taylor. Oh, yeah. I think Another Taylor is going to be unbelievable. Yep. Watching him for four years in Wisconsin, you know, he ran the ball a ton. He is, he's got track speed. He's a tough guy, and he really came out at the end of the year. I am excited for him next year. Yeah, he uh, he was one of those guys, too, where I think, like, he, he left a bad taste in owners' mouths who drafted him in, like, the third round or whatever this year because right. um, a lot of them weren't in contention at the end of the season when he really was crushing it, too. And, and I saw the piece this week about, um, was it Chris Ballard or Frank Reck or whatever, saying, like, they don't know if Marlon Mack's going to be back next year. Well, this is totally like it is time to get on the Taylor train because it's leaving the station in early spring. So get on now while you can, uh, for sure, with, with Jonathan, Taylor, uh, Jonathan Taylor. Totally with you on that, Jerry. One last question here before we let you go sure. and enjoy your Friday evening uh, as you prep for uh, divisional playoff. Um, $35,000 for the third-place finish in the FFPC main event. Nice little chunk of change. Now, have you earmarked? that money for anything special in your life? Is it going to investments? Is it going to savings? What do you plan on doing with that money? Or haven't you made up your mind yet? You know, I kind of put it in the bank. It was a windfall. And again, I, I, I'm going to be 60 next spring. And if you believe this, I've got three kids who are 16, 15, and 11. So I think it'll help for everyone's college funds. Oh, good for oh, you. Farrell, yeah. uh, we are hearing so many, like, well-put-together Nobody's buying a yacht. Nobody's buying a Rolls Phantom. Nobody's buying a Bugatti, anything like that. Everybody is putting it away for safekeeping. Uh, and and that, that's, that's certainly, I think, a, a testament to um, how these guys were smart enough to earn the money in the first place. So, Jerry, congratulations yeah, sure. to you on, on your big third-place finish in the main event. Congratulations 
on all the success you've achieved in the FFPC so far. Good luck in the playoff challenges. I know you're in the divisional. You're in the original. We'll see what happens there. It's going to be a fun few weekends of football. And thanks so much for joining us tonight, dude. This was awesome. I appreciate it, and uh, thanks to all you guys, and everyone be well. Thank you, Jerry. Jerry Palmer, ladies and gentlemen, third-place finisher in the FFPC main event uh, this uh, this year. Um, only, I believe, I, God, this is, this is uh, following in a long line of high-stakes fantasy football hour misses. Farrell, I believe that was his only main event team in the competition and finishes third wow. overall. Just yet another incidence of people saying, oh, you gotta, you got to have 1,000 teams in these competitions to do anything. No. Could not be further from that the truth. Not the we case. heard from, from Burroughs and Bent last week. One team in the Football Guys Players Championship, they finished second. One team in the FFPC main event this year. And, um, and Jerry Palmer finishes in third place uh, as well. So good stuff and there. He, uh, he's, already, he's already ready for next year. He's already I'm going to send him an email. I want, you know, I want $1,000 spending money to each of those kids to go to the mall. I see skateboards. <laughs> Some Jordans, you know, you, you, you want to go to a mall that's got a Vans outlet. You you know, Cubs tickets are a must. You're going to have to loosen up a little bit of that money. That's why you can appreciate saving it if you spend a little of it. I wouldn't get to Jerry about that. Well, the thing is, when you have 35 grand, Farrell, like like I don't have 35 grand, but my kids are able to uh, to shake me at, at the store pretty good. On, oh, yeah. Uh, you are you know, you're for, just a pushover. I would send your kids to the mall with Don Erickson. I wouldn't. You shouldn't go to the mall with the kids. Erickson should go. If if that would happen, I would. I would. I would need a place to live because I would be losing my house on that. Um, (laughs) He he spends as as much money as he makes it. No question. uh, Does Don Erickson? Um, Farrell, we have the divisional playoff challenge. I, I teased it at the top of the show. Um, okay. uh, as far as how many spots are left, we're down to 368 right now. I know people are looking for advice on that. I want to help them as much as we can. We have a few emails here. We got 11 minutes left in the show and I, I want to help as many people as we can with this competition and try to win them $50,000. And if they want to tip us, they can tip us. Uh, that's fine. Whatever. No, I'm sure no judge here. Um, Frank in Little Rock, Arkansas is going to lead things off this week. Um, and he's talking Browns, just like we were talking Browns with uh, Jerry Palmer. Is picking Kareem Hunt or Jarvis Landry getting too cute in the playoff challenge, guys? I'm worried everyone and their mother will have Nick Chubb. Thanks so much. That is Frank in Little Rock, Arkansas. So the way that um, Jerry framed it, Farrell, was that Nick Chubb was sort of his surprise, the, the guy that, that could really put a dent in this competition. And while I, I could see that happening, if, if the Browns were able to upset the Chiefs and potentially, God forbid, I'm going to bite my tongue here and say maybe they even are the AFC reps in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's possible. But I don't, I don't know if I could – if I have one team or even like two or three teams in this competition, I don't know if I could pick Landry or Hunt over Chubb. I think it's got to be Chubb over those guys, over Mayfield, over the tight ends. I'm rolling with Nick Chubb here. Easy to roll with Chubb, but Hunt is also running like he's on a mission. These guys are complimentary backs. We asked Jerry, how are they going to win? They're going to win with the running game. It can't exclusively all go through Chubb. You know, I love that stat on Chubb. Everyone knows it now. 4.1 yards per carry after contact. That is an incredible stat. But Hunt is breaking tackles, too. Plus, Hunt catches the ball and accelerates Plus, Hunt gets to play his old team. 
There's a lot of things here that I like. And how do you beat the Kansas City Chiefs? The weakness of their defense is at the linebacker position, and that's what these guys do. They get past the defensive line, break into the second, uh, break into the second line of defense. These linebackers are not able to work with these two players. So yes, I think for this weekend the fantasy numbers uh, may be similar for these two players. It depends who gets the touchdown and who breaks the long one for a touchdown. Can they score enough touchdowns? on the ground to beat Kansas City's offense, I don't think they can. But if they can chew up that yardage between the 20s and utilize that clock, keep Mahomes on the sidelines, uh, they got a chance. And, you know, John Anderson and uh, our boys, oh, yeah. right of uh, Shaker Heights, uh, Jason Kahn, uh, if that were to happen, uh, those guys, we, we it, it would be March before we would get them off a of high. It really would. <laughs> it would certainly uh, rival LeBron James returning to Cleveland, no question, if that were to happen. But that's wearing the brown and orange colored glasses here. As the 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 um, the constituents in the chat room tonight are Farrell uh, Farrell pointing out to me, Dave Gerzak, Kern Reeve saying, "Hey, what happens if if the Browns suck? What happens if the Chiefs just destroy them?" Uh, Dave Gerzak saying. Um, uh, uh, Kansas City 41 to 10. What does Chubb do? Jack, you know what, which is true. Ah. And um, if, if they do get smoked, Chubb is probably taken out of the game. And then Kern Reeve pipes in. Landry could be interesting in that. You know, so if you are looking at the Browns as a one and done, as in they play the Chiefs and then they're out, maybe Landry yep. is the play here, given that you will be throwing a lot to try to keep up. Landry could be the type of guy that catches 12 passes for like 130 yards, maybe a touchdown, maybe two touchdowns in this game, whereas Nick Chubb could have, you know, 12 carries for 50 yards and, and no scores, and, and, he's, and he's irrelevant. So that's the other thing to consider, too. And bear in mind, as I look it up right now, and Farrell, you probably know this off the top of your head. I do not. But bear in mind right now that as we look forward at this Browns-Chiefs game, the Chiefs are at Arrowhead as a 10-point favorite with a total of 57. That doesn't scream a whole lot of Nick Chubb uh, for me right now. So if you are betting on the Chiefs, then you should be betting against Nick Chubb because I think Landry might be the play then. Let's move on and talk about Paul in Portland, Oregon's email here. He wants to shift the conversation to another AFC North team, and that is the Baltimore Ravens. He writes, I only see three worthwhile Baltimore players in this contest. So who is the correct one? Mark Andrews? J.K. Dobbins or Lamar Jackson. Please help Farrell and Bulky. That is Paul in Portland, Oregon. And I believe he means this email. Please help, comma, Farrell and Bulky, not please help Farrell and Bulky. <laughs> Listen, Farrell and Bulky need all the help we can get. But I think yeah, he is right. for our experts here. Farrell, um, when you look at the Ravens in this competition, um, it, it, to me it's tough to take Lamar Jackson because I don't believe the Baltimore Ravens will make it to the Super Bowl. But J.K. Dobbins especially in a tight end premium league. Mark Andrews is also very interesting here. I know we talked a little bit about Andrews last week. I don't think you were super bullish on him, but if you're picking a Raven here, is it Dobbins, Andrews, or Jackson? Um, it, it, it's, it's neither. It, it's Andrews and it's Marquise Brown. Check the box score last week. Uh, Brown with a significant fantasy performance uh, last week. I don't see... Um, the purpose of, of the Baltimore 
backfield. God love them. They're just beautiful, uh, a beautiful backfield. Over 100 yards in, in like 40 straight games, a rushing attack. But you don't know who to depend on, and Jackson's going to get most of it. And even around, even in the red zone around the goal line, you don't know who's going to get it. So, so what I want to say about that, in in our, I expect Andrews uh, in this game to do better than he did last week. I expect Brown to do about the same. Those are the two players that that, that I would go with. I um, I think you're right here um, when it comes to uh, to the Ravens. Do you think Farrell? Because this is. Of all the games this weekend, I mean, obviously I'm intrigued with all of them because it's hard not to be. But this Bills-Ravens game is very, very interesting to me when you consider, okay, the Saints are three-point favorites against Tampa. We already talked about Kansas City being a 10-point favorite um, over Cleveland. The Packers are nearly a touchdown favorite over the Rams. Baltimore at Buffalo. Buffalo is only a two-and-a-half-point favorite, and we're coming. We're, we, we just saw Lamar Jackson's first playoff win um, last week over Tennessee, this could be, and, and you know, who knows what's going to happen. This might, might be my choice for the best game to watch all weekend on Saturday night between Baltimore and Buffalo. It is. It represents the two emerging talents at quarterback in the league. Um, and in Lamar Jackson's situation, you, you got to the point in the season where you could see that Lamar had to again take the ball and run with it. And he accepted that. The team accepted it, and they turned to that. It's been very, very successful. And the play, Balky, uh, where Baltimore um, uh, was about to uh, surrender the ball on downs. It was third and long. Uh, Lamar was under a heavy pass rush. Uh, he runs for a 40-plus yard touchdown. What was interesting right. about that is three guys had leverage on him, and he blew past all of them. And if you had that in, in some sort of Madden-type kind of game, you would say, well, that would never happen. But he blew past all those guys like they were standing still. And everybody sees that, and that's why this game is so very, very close uh, with the point spread. So, yeah, you know, Moss is gone. Um, the Singletary will, in fact, have to step up for Buffalo. You're right. It, it's, to me, each one of these games you can argue with having the greatest appeal but, you know, here in Louisville, Kentucky, where Lamar played his college football, this is a big, big game for us. Yeah, absolutely it is. And it's going to be a big, big game for anybody in the FFPC playoff challenge number two. You know, you consider maybe you got one team or two teams and, and you don't have any Lamar Jackson teams. Here's my advice. Add another team that's not Lamar Jackson yep. and then add a couple more teams that are Lamar Jackson just in case the Ravens sneak their way to the Super Bowl before they're spanked by my Green Bay Packers. Just kidding on that. Don't want to jinx it. Just going to hope for it, and we'll see what happens there. The big takeaway from that, get more FFPC Playoff Challenge 2 teams. Carl in Fort Myers, Florida, has a New Orleans question. I'm assuming he's rooting for Tampa, but he wants to talk Saints here. With Alvin Kamara, the clear leader in the clubhouse for most owned Saint, is Michael Thomas the must-pivot to try and get ahead of all those AK-41 teams? Really digging the new version of this podcast. That is Carl in Fort Myers, Florida. Thank you so much, Carl. Um, so, Farrell, this is interesting. And I think – I don't know if we necessarily dissected this last week, but we did talk a little bit about it from the world-famous FFPC Playoff Challenge. Um, the pivot of Michael Thomas from Alvin Kamara, is that a must in this competition where you have eight-player lineups and, and you know there's going to be a lot of Kamara teams? 
Uh, Thomas brings a big, big boost to Breeze. And, you know, he runs the same route. He runs a slant route every time. But it's not about the play that's called. It's about the athleticism in the player. He always beats the defender off the line. He always draws the safety away. The safety bites on him, especially in the red zone, every time. It makes the rest of it. You you know, when when Breeze uh, does his pivot, hits Sanders, hits the tight end, dumps it down to Kamara in a lot of those routes, uh, all the defenders are pointing at themselves and staring at each other and saying what happened, and it's very easily explained as everybody bet on Thomas. So he he presents Breeze with the opportunity and every other player to elevate their game. Uh, he will not uh, he will not score more fantasy points than Kamara, and he's likely in the way that the Saints want to handle the ball in the red zone. He's likely not to score as as many fantasy points as the wide receivers across uh, uh, available to you from from other teams. So no, Alvin Kamara is your play here. Kamara is the play for New Orleans. Don't overthink it. You think long, you think wrong. So definitely go with Kamara here. One more email here, Farrell tonight for uh, for we haven't talked to a whole lot of Packers tonight when it comes to the playoff challenge. Allen Windsor Mill Maryland. Uh, writes, hello, high stakes conchos. If I think the Packers are going to the Super Bowl, am I better off choosing Aaron Rodgers for his double points, or is Adams or Jones a better selection? Al, thank you so much for the email. We're getting into some game theory here with the Packers. Mm-hmm. As everybody knows, anybody who makes it to the Super Bowl in this contest will get double points. Um, so it is imperative not only projecting the right teams to get there, but projecting the right players to uh, deploy in this lineup. Farrell, is it Aaron Rodgers or, I mean, Devontae Adams has just been a beast pretty much the entire 2020 season. Aaron Jones, we've seen flashes before. Maybe he goes on a run here um, in, in the final playoff games. Is it Aaron Rodgers or would you be looking elsewhere for your Packers representative in your lineup for the FFPC playoff challenge too? Last week we identified the Packer that we wanted as Tunyon and uh, the tight end that we wanted as tight end. And, and it, um, we didn't know we were going to get what we have in front of us. I expected uh, Tampa Bay to be headed right. headed to Green Bay this weekend. That is not the situation. And we get the Rams coming off the upset. And now uh, a receiver that has got to be in a lot of these playoff challenge lineups uh, that draws Jalen Ramsey. And this is going to be one of the greatest uh, – uh, duo uh, corner, uh, lockdown corner versus uh, top wide receiver in the game. It's going to be fascinating. Uh, Ramsey wins the uh, uh, Ramsey wins against most uh, wide receivers in the league. Uh, you know, I looked it up. He allowed 21 yards from scrimmage to the receivers that he defended this year. That's that's the average. Wow. So he shut a lot of you know when you talk about shutdown corner. What does that mean? But now, with this quarterback, you have uh, Aaron Rodgers who can place the ball where, where only Adams can uh, can catch it. And and that makes it a much different scenario than it does with most quarterbacks. And, you know, there's some PIs that get involved there, and you take a look at what Ramsey did. He only had four of them, but he had them against Metcalf, Evans, Hopkins, and Samuel. So yeah. when he gets frustrated by a talented receiver, he'll start to push him around a little bit. 
Um, it, it, this is one of the greatest matchups to watch, and this might be why this is my favorite game to watch this weekend. So to answer the question, I feel very, very strong uh, strong in favor of staying with the tight end, using him as your number one tight end or in the flex of uh, the kid Tunyon because I believe that the middle of the field is where the action is going to be, uh, especially as we approach the red zone with the Packers this weekend. The uh, defensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams um, is um, uh, Brandon Staley. And over the course of the season, he has played a ton of two high safety formations for this defense. He will not be able to do that if in the first quarter, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are, are crushing it on the ground, or if Robert Tunyon is killing him across the middle or down the seam. Um, if that happens, the, the Rams probably will lose the game because they are not built to, to, to beat an offense that way. Um, so I'm with you on that. Farrell, let me ask, and I'm going to close this out with a non-fantasy question. Number one, who is the best cover corner in the NFL right now? Is it indeed Jalen Ramsey or is it somebody else? Oh, it's Ramsey. It's Ramsey. And, and you know, other players have ability to – other players have situations where they match up well against certain players. Lattimore versus Evans is a perfect example. Ramsey, it doesn't matter. But when he gets a receiver as talented as Adams in tandem with a quarterback who can put the ball in the right place, uh, that's, that is going to challenge him. That's going to be his biggest challenge for the year. And if he does have a successful game against Adams, you, you can close the book on it. He becomes uh, the Deion Sanders of this era. So, okay, so here's the second part of it, and this is my Packers fandom showing through. If Ramsey indeed is the best cover corner in the NFL, where to you does Jair Alexander for the Packers rank? Is he in the top three? Is he in the top five? Is he number two? Jair Alexander needs at least another year or two under his belt. Oh, because this is a little guy, Farrell. You should be building of another up the year under his belt of consistent play. He has he has been tremendous in 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 his improvement uh, throughout this season. But uh, it, no, it, it's it's not a comparison. As we say about tiers in fantasy football, uh, this is a second tier player when compared to Ramsey. Ramsey is and in I class will- of his own. All right, and I will listen. I, if you're going to praise the Florida State guy in this program, far be it for me to call you out on that. So I will not do it. Fear and the I will spear, t- Balky. You, you know, the, the college the is in the past, but you are obviously fearing the spear. You yeah, know, absolutely. two FSU guys, uh, Fresno State versus Florida State. How good is that? Oh, yeah, I forgot. To, yeah, Devontae Adams went to Fresno State. Caught his college passes from one Derek Carr, too, from your Raiders, uh, which there everything go, ties It is a small world. <laughs> And certainly a first-tier high-stakes fantasy football host is Farrell Elliott. Check out all of uh, everything the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship has to offer at KFFSC.com. I look forward. I cannot wait to to jump in some more drafts there for the 2021 season. Farrell, can't thank you enough. Love talking fantasy football here with you every Friday night. And can't wait to break down uh, the divisional playoffs next Friday as we preview the conference championship games. It's going to be a blast, man. Thank you, Balky. Next Friday we'll get here, but it's going to be a long, long wait. I hope we're right about some things this week. We'll see. We'll see, indeed. Thank you so much, Farrell. Be good, man. We'll talk to you soon.
Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen. You follow him on Twitter at Jay Farrell Elliott. Remember to follow the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship on Twitter at KFFSC. And remember to check out all the offerings at KFFSC.com. Speaking of offerings, we do have another offering with the FFPC right now. It is the last competition of the season for the Fantasy Football Players Championship. 360 teams remain out of 1,200 teams. That represents a uh, pretty good return on investment for anybody who wants to jump into the playoff challenge right now. And I'm not talking about just trying one team out. That's not going to be good enough. Buy a bunch of teams. Get two, get five, get 20. That is how you will win $50,000. That is how you're going to start off 2021 with the biggest bang. And that is how you're going to fund your bankroll for the Football Guys Players Championship and the FFPC main event as you march forward to try to win two half-million-dollar grand prizes that we will be awarding by the end of 2021. Sign up now, myffpc.com, playoff challenge, divisional round, plenty of spots available. Remember, that locks up when the Packers and Rams kick off tomorrow at 4.35 Eastern time. Uh, That is going to do it for our show tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Cannot thank you all enough for listening. I also want to give a shout-out to Jerry Palmer, Farrell Elliott, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and, of course, each and every one of you, as I alluded to, for listening here this late in the season. Hey, if you're listening this late in the season, you're uh, obviously getting ready for Dynasty. You are obviously looking for Divisional Playoff, uh, Fantasy Football Playoff Challenge 2 advice. Hopefully, we delivered on that to you tonight. John Modaf, Tom Zaretic. Uh, two guys that have been on this show before. They were on the Road of His High Stakes Lowdown this past week as well. Check their podcast out, rotaviz.com slash podcast. A lot of good analysis on the divisional playoff there, uh, as well as how they manage their team to a $25,000 grand prize against the creme de la creme of the uh, FFPC players and everything they have to offer. Remember, register for the FFPC Playoff Challenge 2 before it's too late. It will expire as I'm talking in real time right now. It is going to expire in about 19 hours, 18 hours roughly there. Uh, Make sure you are getting in before kickoff of that Packers-Rams game so you can take your shot at a $50,000 grand prize. We will be back next Friday with who, Balky? Oh, I'm going to tell you who. $500,000 main event champion, Jerry Hooten. Yeah, that's right. Philip Hooten's uncle will be joining these airwaves. It's weird because he was on the road of his high stakes on before he was ever on this show. He makes his debut on the show next week. A fun listen, fun guy, very knowledgeable. You're going to learn a lot. Check that out at Friday, uh, 10, 9 Central. Enjoy the NFL playoffs, everybody. Good luck in the FFP Playoff Challenge 2. Your divisional playoff weekend starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Hey, quick reminder, everybody. First of all, thanks to Frederick the Younger for our outro music. You can check out all their music at fredericktheyounger.com. Great stuff from uh, Louisville's Finest there with Frederick the Younger. Remember, our intro music provided by...
the one, the only, the Quiet Hollers. You can check out their music, quiethollers.com as well. Um, real quick, the I got five on the board. Now, Farrell and I have been lacking on this. We have not made enough bets. We will, we will try to make more bets going forward on this to try to get some action going between us. But I have totaled up the 2020 bets for myself and uh, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. That is available at hsffhour.com. Just click on the I Got Five on it link. You will be able to see the final results from 2020. Next week on this show, I will reveal not only how the 2020 season played out, but how the career um, between Dave and I uh, laid out uh, on this show here in our ninth season, who won the most seasons, who won the most bets. That is all coming up next week. But if you want a preview of it, hsffhour.com is where to go. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. It is going to be a, such a fun weekend of football. Remember, take advantage of the FFPC Playoff Challenge too at myffpc.com. Get in on that contest before it closes up. And uh, you never know, we might be talking to you in just a few short weeks on this show after you cash a $50,000 grand prize. Enjoy Divisional Playoff Weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you again next Friday.